0: Good morning everyone, this is Pastor Jack Wilson in beautiful sunny downtown Payatas. I wish, and this is, yeah, think? Okay, so today we're going to talk about winning an argument. Have you ever wondered, gee, I'd like to win more arguments, but I don't seem to uh, be winning any. I always seem to lose. Well, sometimes you might happen to have a difference of opinion with someone in the church, out of the church. And it's important to you that the other person, the life of the church, that you resolve it properly. All right? No matter what it is, you cannot have an argument and stay disassociated, especially with Christians. People will always find a reason to disagree, and you know that as well as I do. Sometimes they'll be right, and sometimes they'll be wrong. There are a few reasons to disagree. The first group are sinful reasons. Greed, jealousy, all that kind of stuff. And the second is misinterpretation of someone's intention. And we all get that. In the Bible, we see examples. Numbers 12.3 Now the man Moses was very weak above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. It said his own brother and sister turned against him and God went against Miriam and Aaron. See what happened here? We have God to keep things right. Remember Hebrews 10.30 For we know him that had said Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense said the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now, now I know that's that's ridiculously hard for you. Now, I'm not talking about somebody punches you in the nose, you can't punch your back. Of course you can. Don't be silly. But in an argument, the Lord can fix that. I've had arguments with my wife. Where I went in my room, and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to kill her. But, of course, that's not legal or moral, and I can't touch your child. So what do I do, Lord? I can't force her to listen to me. And a couple of minutes later, my wife comes in crying, tears down her face. I'm sorry I was wrong. Let the Lord be the ultimate arbitrator. So like Moses, we need to seek to be humble and meek, not quick to provoke or respond in a harsh way. Here's a good one. Proverbs 26.20 Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bearer, the stripe ceases. Shut your mouth! Keep it quiet! If someone says something you don't like and you lash back, it's like putting more wood on the fire. But if you handle it with love, the flame will go out. You really do not know what is on the other person's mind. Here's one. You're walking down the street, and a man goes speeding down the road, passing everyone. And you say, he should get a ticket. Well, all along, his pregnant wife is laying in the back about to give birth, and he's racing to the hospital. Duh! You got me. Okay? So we're very quick to judge. James talks about that. He says in 119, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See? Your, your indignation, your your wrath, your, your argument of spirit, it does not work the goodness of God. Matter of fact, it stays it. It puts it on the side, waiting for you to come around. If we are quick to hear, we might find out the reason for contention. Someone screaming like a nut might just have had a brick fall in their toe. Remember, there is a reason for everything. In this church, we all look for the same things. Peace, love, joy, a comfortable lifestyle, health, and so on when I say in this church, I believe in the community of believers. I believe all over, Christians should feel this way, should be this way. We should all want the same things. What I want, you want. So let's remember our goals are the same, especially that God is the father of us both. If we fight with each other, we fight with With our father's kids, think about that. Proverbs 8, 6 says, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Those who speak in such a way will be heard. You like being heard? I like being heard. If someone says or does something you do not like, ask them why they did it. Chances are they thought they were doing right, and when they find out they hurt you, they will repent. You need to speak the same way you like to hear. Think on this. Fighting gives both parties pain and anguish. Peace gives us joy. Which is better, to make peace or to make war? With those outside the camp, it is different. But inside the camp, we need to protect each other. So whenever you're in a situation, think. Bible tells us to think. Think, be quick to think. Be fast to think. Uh, Many times my wife might say something to me and I think, oh, she's ready for a fight. And when in fact she had no intention to fight. And you know, being that I'm married to a Filipino woman and she's married to an American man, we spent 21 years together still not understanding each other at times. And so what she thinks is bad I'm not meaning it as bad, and vice versa. I'll tell you a funny story. One day when we first got married, she came to live with me, and I was in South Carolina at the time. I said, you're my pretty little puppy, or my cute little puppy, something like that. Oh, she got so mad. So, why are you angry? You called me a dog. So you see, this is, this is what it means. It, it, the understanding, and whether you're two different nationalities, Well, you're the same nationalities, just confused with the manner of speaking. Be careful how you do that. Now, here's another one I want you to know about, and that is, I'm sorry. Well, I like the words, I'm sorry, if they truly mean what they suggest they mean. But most of the time, they don't. Matter of fact, the words, I'm sorry, have denigrated to just sorry you know oh I just ran over your foot with my shopping cart in the supermarket sorry wow you know over here it's funny you may be going down a main street a motorcycle come out on the right side from a side street no doubt about you are coming from a side street onto a main street most people would look both ways and make their turn they come out without looking whatsoever and when you almost run them over and you beep the horn at them, they look back and they laugh. Well, in the Philippines, laughing is a sign of saying, I'm sorry. Uh, that's kind of ridiculous. As a matter of fact, it almost indicates most most people's feelings on being sorry because the word sorry really means to repent. You, you call up the uh, electric company and you tell them, Hey, what's going on? My electric's been out for three hours now. And they say on the phone, we're sorry. You're sorry? You're not sorry. You're not sorry. Where's the pain? Where's the anguish? Where's the, where's the uh, empathy for how I feel? Where's, where is it that you're going to get your crew on it right away and you're going to send us a rebate for the time we, we didn't have that electricity? Even though we're paying for the amount that we use, we should be reimbursed for the amount that you didn't afford us to have. There's none of that. Telephone company, water company, none of that. People who say they're sorry are not sorry. Sorry, to say you're sorry means to repent. Now, if I have an argument with my wife and my wife comes to me with tears in her eyes and she looks at me, she says, Honey, I'm sorry. Wow! I accept that. As a matter of fact, I melt. Okay, I melt, and 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 that's what I I feel when anybody truly, truly apologizes or says they're sorry to me. All right, because I know in their heart they really mean it. They really didn't want to do what they did, or they, or they, maybe they didn't mean what, to do what they did, but they realized they were wrong in so doing. And they really are sorry for what they did. You know, you know, one of the greatest things we have... Well, probably the greatest things we have in our life... Is redemption. And redemption comes from... That's right... Repentance. You know, people think they would be saved... Without saying they're sorry. And I don't mean sorry. Uh, too many times I see preachers saying... Okay, just repeat it to me. Lord, Lord... I am a sinner, I am a sinner, blah, 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 blah. And it doesn't mean anything. Shut up, Don't don't repeat anything. Just keep giving them the gospel and the Holy Spirit will talk to them. Let them say to the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I want to be saved, I want to be your son, Lord. Look down on me and forgive me. You know, God melts when you say you're sorry. Now, I don't mean that God is weak or anything like that, but it truly does affect God when he hears the voice of a sinner coming to him saying that they're sorry. Sorry, what what was that song? Sorry seems to be the hardest thing. It seems to be the hardest thing for a lot of people. Sorry. Sorry. What about the kids? They do something wrong and you say, go tell them you're sorry. And sometimes they'll go over and they'll truly say, I'm sorry. And that's a wonderful thing to see. But other times the kid goes over and just looks at him, sorry. And you know that's not true. I don't, I don't let that get by in my church. If we have a problem with the kids here and they say something like that, I said, oh, no, oh, no, that don't count. Give them a hug. Give them a hug. And, I, and I'll talk to them. And I'll get them whacked up a little bit. Tell them you're sorry. No, no, tell them in a real way. Was that good what you did? No. Tell him you're sorry. Would you like him to do that to you? No. Tell him, I'm sorry. And finally, they start to hug each other. And you see a really true repentance. And that's what sorry is all about. Be careful using that word, sorry. Use oops. Oops, I ran over your toe in the supermarket with my All Alright? Because if you're really sorry... You're going to be concerned for the person. Are you all right? Is your foot all right? Are you sure? Can I buy you a soda? <laughs> okay, that's a little silly. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's a science saying you're truly sorry and you want to make them feel good now because you didn't make them feel good before. Isn't that the way sorry should be? Isn't that the way we should treat each other? Now let's get down to do unto others. Do unto others. In my life, especially in my later part of my life, I have seen more selfishness than ever before. More people taking and taking and taking and never giving. You walk into... Now, I remember when I was a boy. You walk into the store, and if you bought something, the person at the counter said, Thank you. And you would respond... You're welcome. And they were really thanking you for the business you gave them. Thank you. Because without you, my family does not eat. Without you, we don't pay the rent on this store. Without you, we don't live nice lives. Thank you. I appreciate you coming in. That's gone. It, it went from a real genuine thank you to a, a faux thank you. A oh, thank you. To nothing at all. I mean I it got to the point where at the cash register I take I pay and say to them thank you. I was saying thank you to them. What am I saying thank you for? They're taking my money. I'm giving them a living. Thank you. What happened to the lost art of thank you? What happened to please? Everybody demands everything today. Give me this, give me that. How about please? Please, can I have that? Please, can I help you? Please. It's a a crazy world. How about giving and receiving? You know, we, we find it in this life, it's so easy to receive and so hard to give. You have people out there that will ask you for anything, accept anything sometimes without even a thank you and uh, they find no no problem with taking from you but then you ask them for something and they have an excuse why they can't do it. Oh uh, you know my sister-in-law is here and I got to take her to the zoo. what you know please I've given you the best times the best helps that possibly could be given and you're telling me you can't help me? There's a problem here. There's a problem here. How about when you're in church? Oh, this is a good one. The collection. And I see people talk about the collection as that's no longer under the New Testament. That's an Old Testament doctrine. Let me tell you about Old Testament doctrines. They're still valid. They're still valid. The only difference is, is now you cannot go to hell for not obeying them. You're under the faith doctrine. Okay, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and ask Him to save you, and be be uh, control of your life. Uh, you are saved. And even if you go out and rob a bank, you're going to heaven. Now, hopefully. If you're a Christian and saved, you won't have the desire to rob a bank. But when it comes down to giving, your old desires come back. Let me ask you something. It's thou shalt not kill. Is that doctrine still... Because that was Old Testament, folks. Is that not valid anymore? Okay. This is not a food thing. The food things are gone. We know that. Ritual, sacrifice, all that. It's gone because... Christ removed them because now Christ was that sacrifice. So in essence, we're still still supporting the sacrificial system except we only have one lamb, the Holy Lamb of God. And And so that's gone. We know that. But thou shalt not steal. What about that? Is that okay now? Because we're no longer... I better stay away from you, Christian, who says that tithing is no longer part of the New Testament do you wonder why you have problems do you wonder why you're always short of cash do you wonder why your car breaks down at the most inopportune moments do you wonder why you have a bill you can't pay or things that you need but you can't get try giving your money generously with a good heart with a happy smile like Paul talks about all right, not grievously, not putting on the the crybaby act, not going in your pocket and finding the cheapest thing you can find. All right, go in there and get the big bills out. All right, give more than ten percent. Ten percent is only like a a uh, a little guide to show you the, the minimum amount to give. Give give like your life depends on it. You know, if you had a uh, a house you were building, you would put. Every single penny you could into that house, you get the best doorknobs, the best locks, the best doors, the best windows. As long as you could afford it, you would do that. Yet you come to the church where you belong. This is not where you attend. This is where you belong. In other words, you belong to the electric bill. You belong to the mortgage or you belong to all the payments that have to be made. You belong to that. And then you're just going to give a little bit? You know what the Bible says about that? You're the same as a father who does not take care of his family. Yeah, you're no good. You're worthless. Because you are in the church and you're supposed to be taking care of your family. This week, double up, triple up, quadruple up what you're giving. And see if God doesn't bless you. And look, I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm not going to tell you, put a $1,000 in and God is going to give you a mansion. It's not true. But when you give from your heart, not stupidly, don't say, oh, yeah, I better give a whole lot now. No, no, no. Ask God, what should I give, Lord? He will tell you. He will incline you. And once you feel that inclination, go for it. You'll find the blessings come easy after that. Well, that's it for today, folks. We pray that you have a wonderful week. We'll see you all next week, and with a little prayer for you here, uh, Lord, touch these people, let them understand, pleased, the please, to thank yous, to do unto others, not to argue, and of course, to give, Lord God. All these things we, we need to learn to do, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now, if you want to talk about it, argue about it, say anything, email me at 7101 at usa.net. 7101 at usda.net. I'll be here waiting for you. Have a good week.